You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Uh-oh, guess what day it is. Guess what day it is. Huh? Anybody? Mike, 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 Mike. What day is it, Mike? <laughs> Welcome to Earth Station One, a weekly podcast dedicated to all things sci-fi, fantasy, and much, much more. Sit back and relax and enjoy the show. My name is Miles Morales. I'm Brooklyn's one and only Spider-Man. And things are going great. Oh, yeah. You were supposed to be her five. All right, whatever. Whatever? Wow. Whatever? So are you like a cow or a Dalmatian? I am the spot. <laughs> it's not funny. Don't, don't do that. Miles' grades are pretty good. A in AP Physics. That's my little man. And a B in Spanish. What? Ooh, okay. Miles. Are you trying to... Mira, that's what I'm going I gotta go. All right, everybody. Bye. He's lying to you. And I think you know it. What's up, danger? Miles! Want to get out of here? Oh, when? So wait a minute. There's an elite crew with all the best spider people in it? Who's the new guy? This is unbelievable. This is the lobby. Miguel O'Hara. The whole thing was his idea. What's a guy got to do to join this spider team? You can never be part of this. Don't even get me started on Doctor Strange and the little nerd back on Earth 1999-99. Come on, go easy on the kid. He had a terrible teacher. Peter. Miles. Mayday. You have a baby? I have a baby. I'll take it from here. Miles, being Spider-Man is a sacrifice. You have a choice between saving one person and saving every world. Send me home. I can't do that. I can do both! Spider-Man always... Not always. What about Uncle Ben? If not for Uncle Ben, most of us wouldn't be here. Can't stop me now! I can't run forever, kid! I can't lose one more friend. Miguel, this isn't what we talked about! You knew? I had no idea what you're doing! Everyone keeps telling me how my story is supposed to go. Nah, I'm gonna do my own thing. All stations, stop Spider-Man! You, you want me? Let me guess. He died. Hey there, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Earth Station One podcast. That's right, folks. We are back, and we've got a great one for you. We are going back into the Spider-Verse. That's right. The return of Sony Pictures' uh, Miles Morales saga. I'm going to call it the Miles Morales saga because it is uh, it is going to be a saga. It's going to be three of them, so it could be a trilogy, you could even say. So it's going to be a ton of fun. And this one kept me on the, my seat the whole time I, we were watching it. And it's going to be a ton of fun to see if everyone else agreed with it, if we didn't. And, you know, it's going to be fun. And before we get started, we are going to spoil the hell out of this movie. So if you have not seen it, stop. Stop right now. Stop, no, 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 don't look. Don't look. And you know what? We are going to be talking all about it. 
So, folks, everyone, don't want listen to this if we haven't if you haven't seen it yet. Come on, that's what we like to say on the show. But you remember, we also would love to hear from you guys. Feedback at EarthStation1.com. Let us know what you guys thought. You know, and you know, tell all your friends, tell all your neighbors. Listen to our review because we're going to have a fun time with this one. We've got a great crew to all talk about it too. We have Matt Sweatman here. Hey guys, how are y'all? Welcome back, sir. Thanks for having me back. And of course, our movie gal herself, Ashley Pauls, reviewer number one on the network. That's right. Thank you so much for having me back. I'm excited. It feels like it hasn't been that long since we, all four of us, were together talking about summer movie predictions, and it already feels like a lot of my predictions and guesses are going out the window. So I think anything goes this <laughs> summer, and I'm I'm looking forward to talking about this movie with you guys. You know, I have a pile of eggs right here ripening for our- <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah, our I'm, I'm ready. <laughs> I know. Just, just letting you know. So, very cool. And of course, Mr. Mike Gordon. Howdy, my friend. Howdy. How are you this week? I am peachy keen. You ready to jump in and take us into the Spider-Verse? Ready to go into the Spider-Verse. And of course, uh, we'll have to start with the uh, the box office, which uh, is phenomenal. Um, it's, uh, it is so far to date... As we're recording this, it has grossed uh, $120.7 million in the United States and Canada, which is far beyond. It's almost like, I mean, that's more than two-thirds of what the original uh, Spider-Man Into the Universe movie made in its entire run in the theater. So it's already uh, far surpassed um, the, the previous one. Um, but also what's interesting is that it's the second highest weekend gross of the year. So right behind, uh, Mario and just a smidge above Guardians of the Galaxy volume three. So, uh, so right now, uh, this movie, Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse is on pace to be the movie of the summer. Uh, it's just something that I think a lot of us thought might happen. <laughs> But we weren't we weren't really uh, willing to put our our money where our mouths were <laughs> when we did our summer movie uh, challenge because I I don't think uh, any of us picked this one for number one did we? Mm, I'd have to go back and look at our list. I don't think we did. I didn't. No. I know you and I didn't, Mike, because uh, yeah, we're stuck in the Indiana Jones kit. We're stuck in like uh, 1984. Of course, <laughs> in so many different ways, folks. In so many different ways, we are. So, uh, Ashley, any thoughts about the the box office take on this and 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 how well it's doing? Yeah, I didn't even um, think to check it with just through the weekend, and I happened to see a headline. And I did a double take. It's like, wait, that's even more than Guardians of the Galaxy. So I was surprised, but very pleased. I the first movie is near and dear to my heart, and I'm so excited. Financial success isn't necessarily an indicator of how good a movie is. You can have a wonderful movie that absolutely flops, but it's good to see this doing well and hopefully to encourage more of this type of movie in theaters. So very pleased, very excited, and I think it'll have decent legs throughout the summer. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Well, I mean, it it gets more, as you all know, it gets more crowded in the theaters from here. Oh, so, yeah. uh, so a lot of the premium theaters that are showing this this past weekend, uh, you know, it really depends on how Transformers does this week, whether or not it's going to bump 
uh, Spider-Man out of those theaters or if the theaters are going to be like, hey, uh, we're not selling that many tickets to Transformers. Let's move Spider-Man back into those premium theaters. Uh, so it's really going to be interesting to see what the drop off is this second week and if there is a significant drop off. Uh, well, it's kind of interesting because I was talking to a friend of mine earlier today about the movie and I asked them the same thing. Do you think it's going to have, you know, the legs to for people to go see it two or three times to, you know, carry it over to be the number one film, at least to be Transformers next weekend? And he said totally because there's so many Easter eggs and so many little cameos and stuff that if you blink, you're going to miss this. And we'll talk all about that in a little bit, but that's going to, what's going to make people want to go back for the, to the film and everything. Uh, yeah. And that's a definite possibility. Um, the other aspect of it is a lot of people discovered this movie on Netflix and, you know, depending on what the schedule is going to be like when this is streaming available on Netflix, because uh, Sony still has that deal with Netflix. So it's going to go there first. Um, people might just wait and say, Hey, uh, I can stop it whenever I want and like look at all the Easter eggs on a frame by frame basis. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I mean, we're in a different market now. Things are different. So who knows how this is going to play out. But for all the movies this summer so far that have underperformed, this is a good sign that, hey, if it's a good movie and people as people are still excited about going to the movie theater, mm -hmm. um, because so far, I think almost everything else is underperformed. Uh, Guardians, Little Mermaid, uh, Fast X, all underperformed. So this is this is an interesting marker going forward to see if things continue to underperform or whether or not, and Spider-Man is an anomaly, or whether, like, the box office is back. S school's over, school's out, the box office is back. Um, but I am eager to hear uh, your personal thoughts. Uh, actually, uh, Matt, we're going to start with you. Mm -hmm. um, what were your thoughts going into this, and overall, uh, what did you think when you left the theater? Well, the uh, they did a good job of not giving away too many of the big reveals. Uh, and the, of course we had a, we knew there was going to be tons of Spider-Man. They, they did show that. Oh yeah. But how they factored in and how they, I'll, I'll go ahead and uh, I guess a big spoiler, which I don't really think is a spoiler because originally this was billed as part one, but it seemed like they really wanted to back off of that and kind of hide the fact that it was not really going to complete the story. But what I wanted to point out was, it really allowed them to both have really dense, intense action scenes, but also well-fleshed-out family scenes. Uh, both Miles and Gwen, we got really good scenes with their parents, and it and it's important to the plot, too, very germane, as it turns out. So I think that is where I, I'm amazed at how much they got in the two hours on this movie. Right. But you were satisfied coming out. Oh, yes. Yes, I was. Okay. Okay. Um, and, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Before we go into any uh, more detail, Ashley, what about you? What uh, thoughts going in, coming out? 
Yeah, well, as I'm sure I've shared before, this was one of my most anticipated movies of the year for sure. Um, back in 2018, Into the Spider-Verse was actually my top movie of the year, beating out even Avengers Affinity War, which was a tough task to do, but I just fell absolutely absolutely in love with this movie. The animation was incredible. Um this Miles Morales is my favorite version of Spider-Man I've ever seen on screen. Um, I just love this movie. One of my favorite superhero movies, one of my favorite movies, period. So that's a lot of hype to live up to. But um, <laughs> overall, I really enjoyed the movie. Once again, the animation is just incredible. They take moments to bring you the over-the-top action and all the crazy multiverse stuff that we remember from the first one but also like you said matt those um family moments that add layers of character development and emotional depth to this movie i would say that my initial impression is i think i like the first one just a little bit better and it could simply be because i just love it so much that um my hopes were really high and that one i felt was maybe just a little more narrowly focused on miles versus this one expands a little bit more into the spider verse so i could totally see like after a couple more rewatches coming to like this one as much as the first one but sometimes it's hard like when you love the first one so much it takes a while to almost adjust to see like where the story is going so i definitely want to see this again hopefully in imax because i think there's a lot still that i probably missed and to unpack from this movie but well we're seeing on the big screen and outside of only a, a few characters a lot of the characters that are in the first one don't appear in this one until the very end so i mean all the people that you grew to yes. like i mean it's mm -hmm. like oh i have to wait and you didn't even know if you were going to see them or not right? yeah so I I so think that that's, was that's part of it too, right? Yeah, because like um, Nicholas Cage's Spider Man Noir was like the side character I never knew I needed in like Spider Ham. <laughs> so I loved all those characters. <laughs> so it was kind of hard not seeing them and seeing less of Peter B. Parker. But I'm really curious to see how my thoughts uh, shift and adapt as I watch this one again, because this is definitely one that will be <laughs> one of repeat viewings for me. In the theater? Yes, probably at least oh. one more time in the theater. Um, nice. with, wow. the, with the two-year-old in the house, I don't get out to the movies quite <laughs> no, as much. No, that's why but it's even more impressive. Yes, so yeah, I that's did cool. not go see Guardians of the Galaxy twice in theater, but I think I'm going to make time for Spider-Verse. Awesome, awesome. Mike, what about you? Going in, coming out? Uh, going in, I had my hopes up. I really had my hopes up high because being an animation, you know, not an animation snob, but, you know, I studied animation in college. I have always been a historian of animation, and I loved what they did with the art styles in the first one. The first one was just truly amazing. And I thought, I hope they capture that. And from what the previews looked like, I did. And I loved the chemistry between Miles and Gwen. It was awesome in the first one. And right from the very beginning, you got, you know, Gwen fighting the vulture from you know, another alternate universe. And that was just frippin' awesome. And you got introduced to Spider-Man 2099. And then you got, of course, you got then Spider-Woman on the motorcycle, which was really, really awesome. And I actually would have loved to have seen more of that vulture. And I loved how it was almost like a paper mache type design for his art style. 
and it looked like it was drawn by someone like you know you know da vinci and i they did that so perfectly and i just i went in and i geeked out the whole movie it was like every single spider-man it was a completely different style when they introduced spider punk and he, you know, he, he looked hand-drawn and you even had the squigglies around him and everything. And that was, it was just, it was for an art artist and the animation person, all the different styles. And then to tie in the live action on top of it was just, it just got better and better as the movie went on. And I was just like, geeky, look at that. Look at that. Judy was just like rolling her eyes the whole movie <laughs> because she was just like, stop already. Stop. You know? And I was just like, oh. and it's like, it's like, I've actually even stopped buying 4k movies and stuff like that. Cause everything streams. This one is going to be one that I'm going to purchase because I want to go through frame by frame literally and spend seven hours, 10 hours <laughs> looking to find each and every one. Cause I loved it. You know, I loved it when they were in the headquarters and they went, you know, Spider-Man's on the loose, capture him. And everyone, they did the pointing again. Stop you. No, you stop. You stop. You know, it's like, no, Miles Morales. And they're like, Oh, and walking out of the movie theater, I was so happy to see to be continued because they kept on building and building and building and where they ended it was perfect. It was a great, great stop. I'm glad they didn't have Miles escape from the Prowler at that point. I'm, and I love who's coming to help rescue Miles. That was just awesome. And I have to tell you, the character of the movie has to be Mayday Parker. She <laughs> was so frippin' adorable and everything. It was just, it was, this movie was just great. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, same. Uh, look, I, I didn't see a lot of previews. I don't try, I try not to do that. So I didn't know a lot going in. Uh, although, from what I could tell, it was going to be more of the same. And I was like, yes, please. Yes, please. Yes, please. Because I like the first one a lot. Just keep, Keep the quality, keep the style, keep having fun with it, and and you've got me. Um, so uh, so that was a no brainer. And sure enough, uh, when I saw the movie, it was it was everything I wanted and more, uh, much more. Um, as uh, we can get into more details, but everything I thought was amped up a little bit higher. The stakes and characters and different multiverses and different versions of Spider-Man and, and all that kind of stuff was just multiplied by like a zillion. <laughs> and, uh, and I loved it. I loved it. Um, so uh, I was fortunate enough that I got a heads up that it was part one before I saw the movie. That was the only thing I really knew going in is that, Somebody had given me the heads up uh, or I'd read somewhere that it was uh, it was a part one. Now, when I saw the movie, uh, as it was building towards the end, quote unquote end, uh, and uh, then it faded to black and it, that caption came on and said to be continued. The about three rows in front of me, I heard someone utter quite loudly, 
you got to be effing kidding me. Although he didn't say effing. Uh, and I I'm had like, a feeling he wouldn't. I know your neighborhood. So. And I'm like, and I, and I kind of chuckled because, you know, it was kind of funny because he was invested. But I have seen a lot of backlash about them not advertising that this was a part one. Um, even people who have so far said, uh, who I've gone so far as to say they really liked it, they loved it, but if they knew it was going to be a part one, they probably would have waited until part two came out because it was really frustrating to them. Now, uh, I don't feel that way, although I do wonder if the guy who uttered that in the audience had just like the week before seen Fast X and the same thing happened, right? Like with Fast X, spoilers for Fast X, but the Fast X ends on a cliffhanger. Because it's going to be, there's going to be another one, maybe even two of those, uh, depending on what happens. But uh, I don't think they even know what's going on in that universe. <laughs> but uh, it's interesting it. because this movie was supposed to originally come out in uh, April of, uh, I think, 2022. So, I mean, we would have had to wait even longer for the second part. Um, and so... I, yeah, let's uh, stick a pin in that. Um, how do you feel about them not? I mean, I think that's what the studios were afraid of. And to your point, Matt, I think they were afraid. They backed off it because they they thought that if they said part one, like Mission Impossible says part one this summer, uh, that would get people not to come be eager to see the movie. Um, and it would. And and so instead, they they kept it on the down low. And instead, it made a lot of people angry. Um, how do you what do you think about that and did was that the case for you or do you have you experienced anything like that um you know this is this is the new norm i mean we had the hobbit which was three parts we've had dune we've had um the last uh book of the harry potter series uh so i don't think this is that out of line as it may have been 10 years ago or five years ago um I like having a cliffhanger like we ended on this one and being able to talk about what's going to happen and what we've seen. So personally, I have zero problems with it. Of course, I also remember it was originally billed as part one too. So I don't know that there's that much negative reaction. Certainly it's not hurt in the box office. Um, So I, I don't think, there's going to be the back backlash is going to significantly hurt this one. This movie's too good for it to hurt it too much. I agree. Uh, Ashley, did you know going in that it was a part one? Um, I, I knew there was probably going to be another one. I didn't realize it was going to be that much of a cliffhanger. So like, as it faced the black, I was like, Oh darn, but it wasn't because I was upset. It's just like, Oh man, I love these characters. And now I'm going to have to wait to see the story. But really, when you think about it, I mean, with Star Wars, like each of the episodes, they end with, you know, you're not quite sure where they're going to go. Um, like with TV series, like um, I loved House of the Dragon. I'm going to have to wait for a long time to see how the story continues. So I think there's not, there's sometimes good to let um, anticipation build before you see the next uh, part of the story. So I don't think it was anything that I was upset about and uh, more just like getting people hopefully excited to see the next chapter. Yeah. Yeah. And, and to your point, I mean, I am very much reminded 
of my experience seeing Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. Uh, when I saw Empire Strikes Back in the theater that first weekend, we had no idea it was going to end on a cliffhanger. Uh, when it was over, I think we all were just like, what? I mean, because that had not really been done before. Um, and it's been done several times since then. But I do think, and Matt, to your point, I do think that a lot of the ones that you mentioned were advertised as part one. Uh, this specifically was not advertised mm -hmm. as part one. And a lot, it took it has taken a lot of people by surprise. And I do think that, you know, look, I mean, I think they'll get over it. You know, like, like, you know, um, even the people that are kind of mad about it still like the movie. And the fact that they're mad means that they cared. Yeah. Right. That they got invested mm -hmm. and it was ripped away from them. And that's what they're sore about. And, uh, uh, but there's a lot of I've seen a lot of people saying that it's not it's only half a movie, so they can't really talk about it. They can't really judge it. They can't really, you know, they're they're they they're mad because they paid for a full movie and they got half a movie. Uh, so, Mike, any thoughts on on that sort of aspect of this movie? I don't think they got a half a movie. They got a full lot of action in this one. And I think, you know, they're going into even a bigger tale from this part because you know you you're going into you know now have to realize how much of a big bad the spot is and you're also have the oh, yeah, I bet you never thought you'd say that out loud no i never did <laughs> i never thought i would ever especially reading him in the comics i never thought this would be so big and such but you know and then you also have the threat of uh spider-man 2099 also mm -hmm. you know so you have that coming to you know was, all, all this is going to come in the head and there's almost going to be a spider-man civil war going on during this whole mm -hmm. thing too because yeah. you have those you know in there for supporting miles and then you have those who are still going to follow miguel and everything so it'll be very interesting to see where they go with it so yeah absolutely all right, so enough about that, because um, we know it's a part one, and uh, we're okay with it. Sounds like most of us are okay with that, um, at least here on this podcast. But um, uh, so, Ashley, I want to I want to point this at you because I think uh, the other guys here and myself are very, 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 very familiar with Spider Man from the comics, and a lot of different incarnations of Spider Man. Uh, I have heard that some people complain that they don't get a lot of the story points or the characters because they didn't read the comics. You need to read the comics in order to understand this character or to understand this thing or whatever. Did you feel that way at all? I did not actually. I felt like I didn't have any trouble following it. I mean, my first introduction to Spider-Man was the Tobey Maguire movie. Since then, I've seen Spider-Man played by... Andrew Garfield, Tom Holland. So I'm, even if you're just a film fan, you're already kind of used to seeing different versions. And I think the first movie did a great job introducing these characters so that even if you weren't familiar with them from the comics, like Spider-Ham, oh, that's funny and quirky. Spider-Man Noir, that's pretty cool. And so I didn't have any trouble following it. I mean, like once they said it's the multiverse, like there's different versions of this character. So yeah, I didn't have any trouble at all following around along. And I think the film does a good balance of 
like honoring people that are familiar with the comic because as I was getting home and talking with my husband who has is more familiar with the Spider-Man comics he was like recognizing some of what I was saying so I felt like people who are familiar with that can get it but if you're a new fan who just like happens to like this movie you'll be okay too and I appreciate that they can strike that balance yeah I I kind of felt that way too although I just wanted to hear from someone who because I can't be objective about that so but I I mean it's like well in the first one I mean, I was familiar with Spider-Man Noir from the comics. I was familiar with Peter Porker, but I don't think you needed to be because it's just another version of Spider-Man. In fact, there are a lot of different versions of Spider-Man in this one. I mean, literally hundreds. I don't even know. I mean, I'll be interested. Somebody's going to count. Somebody's going to count. And I'm really curious to see what that number is going to be. So, but a lot of them from the comics and from cartoons, from whatever, some of them completely new. Some of them are completely new. And uh, and I think it just, you know, I think it works and it doesn't work. Um, do you get the nuances? Maybe, maybe not. But I think um, I think it's it still they still are really good at, at reaching that balance. Uh, Matt, what do you think about that? What do you think that I mean, uh, I'm not sure exactly your personal history with Spider-Man mm-hmm. comics, but I imagine that you're pretty knowledgeable when it comes to a lot of that stuff. And you recognized a lot of characters. Yeah, yeah. I've I've dabbled in and out of comics for 40 years. So I I, I credited the original uh, Spider-Verse movie for being my gateway to finally become more uh, familiar with Miles. And I thought it was a great gateway there. And I think, conversely, this can be a great gateway into the wider Spider-Verse, so to speak. Um, people can pick up on context people can pick up on i don't think i do think you need to have seen the first spider-verse movie i will say that but oh, yeah. mm-hmm. but, okay. but, but beyond fair. beyond that i don't think you have to be that deeply versed in spider-man maybe just have an inkling of the ideas behind it and i think there's enough to pick on and roll with it so uh, i know my wife elaine she's not specifically familiar with the spider-man comics but she grabbed hold of the original spider-verse movie and she loves it too i just can't wait to get her to the theater so she can see the second one with me (laughs) so you plan on seeing it again as well in the theater yeah i'm trying to find an open captioning screening unfortunately uh my local theater hasn't been too cooperative cooperating with that um and that's and plus we got a convention that's coming weekend, so we're going out of town. So it's it, it's going to be tough. Um, I just I, I hope if for some reason we miss getting an open captioning screening, that it comes to home media somewhat timely, so she can see it. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure what the schedule is for that, but I'm sure it'll be. Uh, I'm sure it'll be on Netflix before the end of the year. Uh. Mike, I'm going to push the same thing to you, but I want to specifically ask what you thought of how they handled Miguel O'Hara and how they handled Ben Riley, because those two characters are probably well not known. shown in the best of light in this movie. <laughs> no, neither of, neither of them actually are um, are either way. And it's kind of funny, too, because it's interesting thinking about it because those both both characters, Scarlet Spider and also, of course, Spider-Man 2099, have had their own comics for years. Mm -hmm. And 
they were both very heroic and both of them, you know, Miguel, I read him. He was the first of the 2099s that I picked up. Me too. I have that first issue. Yeah, I still do. I have the foil cover and everything. <laughs> yeah. you know? Oh and, man, so and, 90s. Oh god, we had, <laughs> when we had it at, at when we had it at my comic shop, it was like. And so Ben 90s. Riley is one of the is one of the Peter Parker clones. He was almost supposed to be the Peter, Peter Parker. He was mm-hmm. supposed to possibly be the real one. Yep. And so it was real interesting that they did that. Um, no, I think Ben Riley came out as a total moron in this one. <laughs> and, and I didn't, that's like one of the down points. And Spider-Man 2099 came across as a total jerk. Mm-hmm. nothing likable about him and he's a great character in the comics he is a really really great character yeah. so i think they have a lot of redemption building they have to do in the next one with them yeah that would be interesting to see if they go that route i do feel like you know when we're talking about multiverses you know they are different versions of everybody so i don't i don't take these as canon you know or any less uh of a uh, character or authentic than the ones I read in the comics. Uh, I mean, they're just, they're just who they are. They're just characters for this particular story. Uh, I will, I mean, I think I'm, I was, I'm more of a Miguel O'Hara fan than I am a Ben Riley fan. So obviously that was odd for me. Um, the only thing that, that made me kind of pause about how they treated uh, Spider-Man 29, 2099 is that they made him a vampire. And I was like, I don't I don't know why they did that. But because <laughs> it didn't it it didn't seem to really have any I mean at least right now, it didn't really seem to have any other ramifications. They just used it once and it was like, oh what why are they doing that? So that was mm-hmm. odd. But um but I don't I mean uh I cannot uh fault them you know, they had to pick one Spider-Man to be the big bad. And I think he's just as good as the, and his costume, the way they animated the costume, the design of it and everything oh, was, was amazing. Yes. It was, was amazing, threatening, spectacular, whatever you want to call it. Like, you know, whatever, whatever adjective you want to put in front of Spider-Man, that's what it was. <laughs> it was It was interesting. His mask was almost reminded me a bit of, of Rorschach from Watchmen yeah, yeah. and everything. And so, and just the way the material almost was living on his face and showing his emotions and everything. So I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. I, no, I, I thought. I, go ahead. Any no. any other uh, any other Spider Men or characters that you really like? Were like, oh my god, I can't believe we're seeing that on the screen. Oh well, God, yes! I can't believe we saw Spider T Rex. <laughs> yes, I was so excited. You I've got... never heard of it before, but I was like, I want that on a T shirt. Got to find no. that somewhere. How, how you you pronounce that P- P- uh, Pitor Pat- Parker, something like <laughs> yeah. that. I, I can't. I don't I, know. I can't. I, 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 yeah, I, I love Spider Cat, and we got to see yes. Spider Buggy. We got to we see did. Spider yep. Buggy, yep. which was really awesome. But yeah, and like I said. My shining moment was, and still my favorite character in the movie is Mayday. She was awesome and everything. <laughs> and because she grows up to be Spider Girl. So it's pretty awesome. Yes. Yes. I and mean, everything. in some reality, maybe this in one, maybe reality. not. We don't know. You know, I mean, right. but yes. 
but yes, uh, there is a definite, um, and that comic was pretty popular. I know I collected that for years. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't know why they, I don't know. I guess he's not around anymore in the books, but, uh, I don't know. It's so weird because I think what they're doing right now in the comics, uh, real tangent, quick tangent here, is they're killing off the Spider-Verse, which is kind of stupid in my mind. If like, hey, this movie's coming out, let's kill off the very thing (laughs) that people are excited about. Um, but then again, spoilers for stuff that's happening in the Spider-Books night now, somebody else is probably going to die, which doesn't make any sense because They've got a movie coming out later this year. So, yeah. so it's like, um, but, but nobody I, I, dies permanently in comics. Exactly. Right? It's comic it's, death. So it, who can except die? for yeah, exactly. if your name is uncle Ben or if you're Thomas and Martha, hey, Wayne. they've even brought back them. So, yeah, I know. uh, so uncle, uh, uncle Ben has not come back though. All right. So, um, let's, uh, start with you on this one, Matt. Um, what do you think about the idea of this, the plot of this story, which is, that there are uh, canon events. I love the real. I love the name of that. Uh, I think that's. I think that's unique to this movie. Um, usually, I think it's been referred to like fixed point in time, like fixed points that you can't change. Mm-hmm. But then here they call it canon events. Yeah, but usually and, you need you need a TARDIS when you get to that. exactly right. <laughs> um, but here it's canon events. There are canon events that are necessary. And uh, all the Spider-Men have accepted this, except for Miles, uh, who has yet to go through his. Um, and uh, and we do find out some information about how he was created and that it was a mistake. Uh, and that was really interesting, I thought, too. But the whole thing about, you know, canon events versus, like, fighting against them. Did you find that compelling? Uh, I admire the irony that the big villain in the movie is is canon, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> uh, considering comics history with canon, um, take yeah, that fanboys. <laughs> uh, I think I think they're trying for I think they're trying for the whole uh, dilemma of the greater good that the the, it, the integrity of the universes of everybody versus the need of the one of quote Spock bring another uh <laughs> property into it um so i think there's that but of course um i do like the fact that it's allowed our core group i mean because we have someone else affected by the the canon potential event is gwen as well it's not just miles and uh so naturally our core group it gives them a chance to kind of split off and uh in the final movie you know that's going to be you know we're going to see i think more of our core group from the first movie so, um, yeah, I mean, as far as a overarching plot, I've seen worse. <laughs> <laughs> Ashley, how did you feel about that? And first, of, I mean, I mean, I, I would imagine that there are canon events that you're familiar with and probably canon events that you're probably not from, as familiar with, right? Yes. Yeah. So, um, I mean, everybody knows about Uncle Ben, even if you're a casual um, superhero fan. So I think it's an interesting idea to center the plot of the third movie around that i feel like again we've seen it before in other media just like you said matt the needs of the mini versus someone that's very close to you saving um that person versus saving everybody but i think it could work well in this movie because 
we really care about Miles as a character and we also care about his parents. Like if we have to see his father die in the third movie, like I will be devastated as a viewer because I felt like I've gotten to know this family and I will feel the weight of the choice. And you know what? Like if I was Miles, there's one thing like you could know in your head, I've got to make, let this happen for the universe to go on. But as a person, like, I think I would do whatever I had to, to save my loved one. And even mm-hmm. if it unraveled the universe and it's just a really sticky, difficult issue. So I think it will be really interesting and emotional. However, it resolves to see in the next one. Mike, what about you? What did you feel about the, the, the plot of that? It's interesting. Cause you know, they showed right from the comic book, captain Stacy getting killed by doc Ock, mm-hmm. but it was an accident. Cause he went to go save a kid and he, it was interesting to do. And for the, you know, it, it had to be anyone who was a Captain Stacy or a police captain was the fist, fixed point. And it's interesting when that happens and everything, because technically Miles did go through his pivotal moment when his uncle died mm-hmm. in the mm-hmm. first one. And they even showed that. So, you know, other people, he didn't have an uncle then. And, such so it was just interesting to see and i'm thinking that possibly that's going to be you know the the little out they had that because his uncle passed away that he his dad's not going to be the point and everything and he's not a captain stacy so i'll be very curious to see what happens with that uh you know but you know or something like Spider Punk will come in rescue the day, you know, because <laughs> he's you know the rebel, and you know, and I love the line in that where he says, "How can you be even cooler without your mask on?" You know, <laughs> it was, yeah. it, it he's was so jealous of hobby, but it's like I, yeah. I can't, I can't, I can't compete against this. I mean, <laughs> that's yeah, that's that's something I can't compete with. Um. Yeah, I think it's a it's it's a fun look. To me, a Spider-Man story works best whether it's Peter, Miles, whoever, Miguel, whoever you put in that lead character. Um, when they are struggling with having to make a decision between doing the right thing and doing, you know, uh, maybe something else that is going to involve the greater good. I mean, we see it play out most of the best Spider-Man stories, comics, whatever, do this. Um, That's one of my uh, things that I like so much about No Way Home is that was the first time the MCU Spider-Man, I think, had to make that decision or had to to put up with, uh, had to face that kind of reality. Um, And they've given, you know, Miles enough leeway here because he was an accident because, so maybe the rules don't apply to him or he's, quote unquote special. So maybe he's the key to making sure that this doesn't happen. Uh, I like the fact that he's the reminder that Spider-Man doesn't just give up and say, this is how the things are. I need to change these. If I can change them, why can't we do both? Why can't we save my dad and uh, keep the universe from falling apart? Like uh, he's at, he's the one that's asking those questions. I love that about him. Um, and, and that's, that's to me what the key of, of all of that is. Um, I do kind of wonder though, you know, they make a big deal about, of course, uncle Ben, uh, and of course, captain Stacy, uh, those are, those are pretty big, but 
it's it's remarked on a little bit by Gwen when she's talking to Miles and she's like, uh, it never ends well. Like whenever Gwen and, and Spider-Man get together, mm-hmm. it never ends well. And, you know, I do wonder if that's a canon point as well that we just haven't got to yet. Uh, because, uh, you know, we only have, we only see one Gwen. Uh, there's only one spider Gwen and, uh, you know, how that's going to play out. I don't know, but, uh, uh, but I'm curious. I like the idea. I think it's really innovative. I think it's really fun. It makes this multiverse story, like actually have some weight to it. It's not just, Hey, we're just putting, we're just in the multiverse just to be in the multiverse, you know? Uh, so I, I really do appreciate that. Uh, Ashley, uh, what is something else about the movie that, uh, you, that resonated with you? Well, um, I really enjoyed, even though it was brief, the section that was in like a parallel India. I thought I loved Mm. the animation there, the music, and it was like one of those, like, it was, it was a short amount of time, but it's like, you know, I could hang out here and watch a whole spinoff movie set in this universe. So, um, I really enjoyed that that section of it and just getting to see little peeks at the other um, Spider-Man universes. And um, even though I wasn't familiar with the spot from the comics, like I thought it was great that he started as basically a joke. Like this guy is a pretty sad excuse for a villain, but then he like levels up, you know, like, Oh man, he's actually a real threat. So I liked how they kind of turned it around. They started with somebody humorous and then he's like a full on super villain at the end. Yeah, uh, very interesting because yes, uh, spot in the comics. The spot in the comics is is kind of a he's not even a villain of the week. He's a he's a joke. Used yeah. mostly co- to comedic effect. Maybe somebody, maybe there's a story out there that treats him a little bit more seriously, but I I'm not familiar with it as yet. Um, and I have decided now that uh, after watching this movie, that Jason Schwartzman, who does the voice of uh, the spot, is now the um, uh oh man it just flew out of my head oh man uh the steve buscemi of current times because i kept thinking it was steve buscemi's voice and or that was and he he sort of acted like steve buscemi but it wasn't and so when i when i was when i found out it was jason schwartzman i'm kind of like oh yeah he is kind of like this generation's steve buscemi (laughs) kind of sort of yeah (laughs) Uh, Mike, what's something else about the movie that resonated with you? It was interesting because the spot, you know, in the comics always reminded me similar to something like an ambush bug type Mm. character. And they, you know, even in this, when he was trying to to get the money out of the ATM and everything, it was just like, yep, that's what they're going for. But that took a dark turn real quick. And... I really enjoyed that. I also like what Ashley said. I loved when they went to the alternate India. And that was, it was amazing to see this neat Manhattan, but as a Indian city and, you know, how crowded it was and how, you know, overpopulated and how built up it went and everything. And I love uh, Miles's reaction says, oh yeah, I've only been Spider-Man for six months. And he's like, what? And you've got one of those watches? You know? Because <laughs> <laughs> he didn't know at the time what was going on. And it was just very, it was, it was great. And I, I enjoyed all the characters 
and there was all other than really scarlet spider there wasn't any of the the adaptations of spider-man you even got to see peter parker with the bag over his head wearing mm-hmm. the fantastic four uniform and yeah. everything and, and i so, think almost all the animated spider-man appeared oh that was so awesome when you saw swinging towards him the spider-man from the 60s cartoon and then he stopped <laughs> i got him i got him i got i don't know uh, I don't get uh and the spider-man unlimited spider-man and yeah. i mean it's just it's they just have so much fun uh with this uh i think I, oh, the, the cowboy the and the horse I, were, were new the only thing i missed seeing i don't know and i might have missed it so i'm a full, fully admitting it i did not see spidey from the electric company so, ah, uh, so, maybe that's coming they got to save something for the third one right mm-hmm, save exactly so you know but yeah and it, it was it was a ton of fun and the characterizations were awesome and i loved it you know i loved it when each one made their appearance and it says all right here you know the story so here and they, <laughs> they kept pulled that from the first one but they didn't go in god if they it would have been a 14 hour movie if they did it for almost every single one of them. Oh. and so but it was cool and it was it was a lot of fun matt what about you what's something else that resonated with you on the movie um i like the fact that they took the innovative animation style and they took it to a whole nother level like when Gwen's universe had a completely different art style than Miles's universe. Mm-hmm. And of course we saw glimpses of multiples, uh, multiple other ones. And also the futuristic, uh, I guess that was Miguel's universe that they, everybody yes. gathered in. Yep. And it had a, it had yet another animation style and they took advantage of that animation to do some trippy things. Uh, that spot, that fight with spot the, the very first one, it was they used his teleportation holes or portals, so to speak, to its full effect. And I can't imagine how long it took all of those scenes with all of those different animation styles. It had to have been a massive undertaking because the just everyone being so different and being so innovative and being so well choreographed. I'm just I'm in awe of all the animation styles in this and oh, and all the research so, they had to do on different animation styles for it. And, right. and the fact that it's so seamless, I mean, obviously mm-hmm. there's uh you know, there's glitches and there's jumps and all that kind of stuff. But I mean, uh, throughout most of the movie, you have characters talking to one another, sharing the same screen and they are completely different animation styles. Mm-hmm. And yet, and so you have like, any group shots where everybody's a different animation style and yet it it works it really works i mean that's something that you wouldn't think would work i mean it's breaking all the rules of animation right like to like it's not yeah you have to make sure that everything is styled the same way and consistent etc cetera, etc cetera. and and this is just throwing all that out the window and and you know using everything that it can uh every, nothing i feel like nothing is out of bounds for this for this crew to do as no, far as bringing something to life no i think they can get away especially now that they've incorporated live action even into it yeah They're and it, really... that was seamless too I oh didn't yeah even, it didn't even feel like that was a i mean that was a nice uh it was that was a nice touch putting the prowler from the uh from the mcu in there yeah, exactly and it being <laughs> donald, donald glover you know it, yeah it was awesome mm-hmm. yeah 
So, I mean, I, they, you know, they feel this, this is allowed uh, a lot of people now to speculate that Miles is just on his way to the MCU at some point. Uh, that would be pretty cool, I think. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of things with Spider-Man, Sony, uh, Marvel, Disney, trying to get all that stuff together. Uh, who knows? There was a, even a, I guess a Venom. I haven't seen the Venom movies, but I, I understand that there was a Venom, uh, shout out in the movie too. Um, so there was a couple of different Venom shout outs in this one. Just the, I mean, for the movie though, just no. the, the one for, um, where they, uh, had, uh, the, the woman at the convenience store where Spot comes in, the Spot comes in and kind of invades her reality. Oh no, I was even talking and when they were showing a couple of the fixed points and they were showing, you know, different points and they showed Venom. They also showed the Peter being taken over by the symbolite and they but then they also showed Eddie Brock and they also showed a couple of different things in there. So, you know, Venom had a very had a presence in this. So Yeah, it would be interesting to see if that's something that they toy around with in the second half. Because look, we've got it, it's so compelling. You get so caught up in uh, the storyline with the spot that it seamlessly moves away from that for a while. And it's Miles versus uh, the League of Spider-Men, whatever they or they, they called themselves, the Spider Society or whatever. Um, and and then, as you pointed out, Mike, uh, uh, Miguel becomes like the big bad. And so, okay, going into the next movie, you're like, okay, we've still got Spot on the table. Uh, the last 50 minutes reminded us of that. So Spot's still on the table. Uh, obviously, Miguel and fighting canon events is still a thing. And just to throw a wrench in <laughs> everything, we've got uh, a uh, alternative or a variant, if you will, uh miles as the prowler who looks very very the prowler is another character that was in the comics he was pretty much a villain of the week he was not like seriously a threat so it is interesting how these movies have upped the game of many many uh spider-man they don't use the traditional rogues that you normally associate with spider-man they use ones and they bring them up to uh more powerful levels so that now Prowler is somebody, a character that everybody knows uh, from Spider-Man, which is something that I never thought would happen because I, ever, I never thought, oh, I want to see him on the big screen. <laughs> well, the Prowler always was a cool costume anyway. So it was kind of cool because I remember when he first appeared and they had a whole storyline and he did become a hero for a bit. Yeah. 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 So. And uh, I think it's his daughter now. I think I sent something like that. I don't know. I I get. I haven't read a Spider-Man book in a while, so I don't. I'm not up to date with current continuity on that. But uh, uh, but this is maybe kind of interested to read more Spider-Man, and so uh, that's uh, that's a good thing. Um, mm -hmm. So uh, all right. One, so one one little thing. Did uh -huh. you notice who was voicing J. Jones and Jameson in this movie? He is also a fixed point, apparently, because he <laughs> yes. was, because Jage, because because uh, he is voicing him in every single movie, <laughs> like every single iteration of Spider-Man. There is uh, oh, I'm blanking on the name. Help me out. Come on, come on, come on. Dum, dum, da, dum, 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 dum. J.K. Simmons. J.K. Yes. Simmons. Thank you. 
Yeah. J.K. Simmons was... is is uh, the constant voice of, uh, and it's perfect. I who, no, but I don't change it. Don't change it. No. That is awesome. That that's the case. I mean, he is the best. He was even Lego J.J. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was funny that the the people who uh, I think brought us Lego Batman now brought us Lego Spider Man. So uh, that is kind of appropriate. Um, at least some of the creative team on that. Uh, so, all right. So we know we have to wait until next year to see uh, uh, Beyond. Is it Beyond the Spider-Verse? Beyond the Spider-Verse mm-hmm. comes out in March of 2024. Yeah. So uh, Beyond the Spider-Verse, yes, March 29th. Uh, so, um, and there are various spinoffs and et cetera, et cetera. I mentioned it's, you know, who knows. But uh Ashley, what do we want to see from uh, the third part of this uh, trilogy? Yeah, I'm basically kind of just open to being surprised because this movie went in some directions that I didn't expect. So I hope to see kind of more of the things we loved about the first two, but also some things that are new and surprising. And I also hope that it will have um, an emotionally satisfying core, just like these two, whatever happens, that there are some moments about Miles reflecting on his family and friendships and just bringing in some of those themes as well in the midst of the over the top action, which I'm sure we're going to be seeing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they spend so much time with uh, the family connections. Yeah. Many characters that I can't see them dismissing that in the third part. I mean, that's they're building to uh, all of that. So, uh, Matt, what about you? What uh, anything specific you want to see from beyond the Spider-Verse? Um, I hope we get a little bit of a redemption from Miguel. Um, mm. it, it got kind of dark, especially as it go it went on. It seemed like they were making him seem bigger and bigger, and and, <laughs> Mile, and Miles being particularly scrawny. Uh, it 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 really looked like you think of how Venom was always drawn very big and very imposing. Um, I hope they 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 back off of that a little bit. He has its moment where he uh, he sees the light i'm hoping for that because i think he he needs to be a hero in this multiverse after all this is done so i hope they find a way to make that happen well Um, if he is really a vampire seeing the light might really do him some damage (laughs) well i I would be okay i'd be okay if they dropped that little detail they already have they already have morbius ish but uh, um uh, I yeah, I don't, I don't, I imagine they're going somewhere with it, but I, I don't know. They don't, yeah, it would seem to odd that they put that in there. And I, and I hope there's a door to get Miles into the MCU proper, uh, since there's, you know, they're all, they're on the, they're on the, the fringes of the MCU already with some of their multiverse stuff and Doctor Strange reference and such. So there's, there's a path there. Um, and I would love to see a live action Miles Morales, especially if they reach a point where Tom Holland uh, is done as Peter. I would love mm-hmm. to see Miles take over as the Spider-Man in the MCU. And I think they could set some of that up here without specifically leading. You know what I'm saying? Not specifically saying moving into it, but at least set up that possibility further. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they've certainly yes opened the door, and they Sony has proved that Miles has uh, is bankable. So mm-hmm. you know it doesn't have to be Peter. Um, so it, you know people are willing to fly to the movie theater and spend their money on Miles Morales. Uh, Mike, what did, what do you want to see in the uh, third one? 
Oh, the third one, I agree with what everyone has said. I definitely think Miguel needs to see the light and come around because they're not going to kill off Spider-Man 2099, you know, or, you know, have him go to jail or spider jail because the idea of a coven of Spider-Man is a great idea and everything. I think he'll come around to accepting, you know, that it was fate that brought made miles spider-man because he's he has different powers than all the other spider-men too if you think about it so i think he'll end up accepting him and then everyone will team up to take out the spot i think that's my prediction for it and i think he is going to reveal his identity to his parents and i definitely think he you know he has such a great relationship with them. I think they'll accept it. They might, you know, be like, what? Or the dad is like, I knew, you know, type thing. <laughs> that was, that was such a swerve when he uh, reveals himself to his mom. And then we find out it's not it's really not his, his earth. I mean, that was, that was really uh, well done. Uh, mm-hmm. because I kept wondering, I'm like, why isn't he revealing it to both of them at the same time? But of course they couldn't do that because that would have revealed the, what happened and that it was a different earth already. So, but the way they did it was brilliant. Um, yes. it was, it's, it was worked so well. And then, you know, Gwen, uh, getting outside his room and, and, and entering his room at the same time and it being empty and, and, and the reason for that, you know, it wasn't just to do it to shock. I mean, there was a reason for that because his blood is of two different realities. Earth. So, yeah. uh, so yeah, I thought that was really well done. Uh, I, thought look, I, was, I thought it was great. I thought it was very well done. And I liked the conversation she had with her, his real parents. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. That was awesome. Uh, I uh, I like this creative team. I trust this creative team. Uh, I don't trust a lot of things that Sony's doing with the Spider-Man universe, but I do trust uh, this, this these people who are in charge of these animated movies. Uh, so kind of like what Ashley said, whatever they have in mind, I'm, I'm along for the ride. The only thing I would ask for is they don't have to spend a lot of time with it. Uh, but the only thing I would ask for is I'd like to really find out a little bit more about Jessica Drew. Uh, she seems like such a cool character, um, but it was confusing to me whether or not like she was pregnant with Miguel's baby or if they were a couple or where that was going with that. Like I couldn't, I didn't, I didn't really know where it, uh, where that, they didn't really tell us anything about her. So, uh, and she seemed like she was like the next one in line as far as that society goes. So, um, and she could, she could tip the balance. Like if she decides that Miguel's out of line, then all of a sudden Miguel's probably on his own, right? Like it just seemed like she's an integral key to, uh, the story playing out. And I, I hope when, when that does happen, we find out a little bit more about her because she's really different from the Jessica Drew that's in the comics. (laughs) Oh, big time. Very much so. Yeah, but the pregnancy I thought was a callback to the that yes. comic cover they had very recently, yes. and I think that was a deliberate callback. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She, uh, yeah, Jessica Drew did get uh, pregnant in the comics, but but visually she looks more like uh, oh, what's her name, Misty Rain, Misty, uh, Misty Knight, Misty Knight. Thank you from the comics. She suddenly has that cool like black exploitation vibe going with her, so I, I like that a lot. And and 
so anyway, that's the only complaint. I mean, that's the only not it's not even a complaint. That's the only request I have. Just a little bit more information about her. But um, man, these two and a half hour movies, you're killing me. You're killing me. You're killing me, especially when there's 20, 25 minutes of ads uh, trailers to begin with. Uh, you're asking people to to sit in the theater for three hours every week that, that the movie comes out and a movie, different movie comes out. And it's like, it's like, guys, I mean, our bladders are just not meant for that kind of thing. So uh, I, I would I would request that this movie or this, the next one and some movies going forward, just be just be mindful of that and be a little either show less trailers, theaters or make your movies two hours. You know, come on. I mean. I don't know. There's not anything in this one that's my movie that I would cut, though. So I can't say I can't complain about that. But well, uh, those are our thoughts. Uh, initially, anyway, I'm sure that uh, Across the Spider-Verse is a movie that we'll be talking about uh, either on the podcast or off the podcast for quite some time, at least certainly until the next one comes out. And we will be there the first weekend that Beyond the Spider-Verse comes out for sure. So uh, stay tuned for that. But in the meantime, stay tuned and we will be right back with, um, oh, we're going to close the show, I think. Yeah, we are. We are. Spider-Man, it was the year of fire. The year of destruction. The year we took back what was ours. It was the year of rebirth. The year of great sadness. The year of pain. And the year of joy. It was a new age. It was the end of history. It was the year everything changed. The year is 2261. The place, Babylon 5. The podcast is the Epsilon 3. Right here on the ESO Network. that's going to wrap up another episode of the Earth Station One podcast. I want to thank everyone for joining us tonight. Let's thank our guests for being here. Ashley, couldn't do a movie segment without you. Thank you. It is always a pleasure. Anything you want to shout out about real quick? Yeah. Um, well, since we're talking about uh, Spider-Man, I wanted to give a shout out to my good friend, uh, Chris Chamberlain, who is um, a professional cosplayer and is working on growing and expanding his uh, charity cosplay work. He has a fantastic Spider-Man costume um, that he looks like he just walked straight out of the movies and just that he takes his love and his passion for geek stuff, but is also doing some great charity work and visiting kids in the hospital and things like that. So I just thought it was a really cool example of somebody taking their passion for geek things and helping others but you can find him at broken canon speaking of canon c-a-n-o-n <laughs> cosplay.com was that from this movie or did he just have it was that not so i was like well done chris like looking ahead <laughs> so um but yeah but as soon as i saw the movie it's like oh i know who i want to shout out tonight so nice. yeah he's doing some great work and he's a great cosplayer so excited to see him uh as as he goes on this journey 
That is awesome. Very cool. Mr. Matt, thank you as always, sir. Thank you. What do you want to shout out about, buddy? Uh, Just in general, this is Pride Month, and I want to thank and encourage people to attend events related to Pride Month. Uh, My wife, Elaine, is going to do some volunteering with the Marietta Pride. And um, I think it's important now more than ever that we give support, vocal and emotional, to everyone who may not be the same as us. So um, that's what I think I would like to shout out right now. That is amazing. It is for a great cause. And you know what, folks? It is Pride Month, and it's a great, great way for you to reach out, volunteer if you get a chance, or just go to some of these events. There's some amazing events around. I know in Atlanta, the the Gay Pride Parade is usually in the fall, not during the summer. So you're going to have to wait a little bit, but other parts of the country, I know they're already happening. So please check it out. There are tons of events and it is showing their support for your community. And folks, there's so many bullies out there right now trying to shut this crap down. And we got to stop that and everything because we need to stand up for any kind, any rights like that. And, you know, if you don't do anything, those rights will be taken away. So definitely. Yes. Please do. All right, Mr. Mike, your turn. Uh, well, as always, it's my pleasure. This it's always great one, talking one to you, sir. Yeah. Um, and, uh, my shout out this week goes to, uh, well, he's done it again. My, uh, cousin Ryan Suffren has, uh, produced a short film called The Orchestra Chuck Built. Uh, it is a uplifting, inspiring story about a, uh, composer, uh, uh, a, uh, Composer, I guess, uh, an orchestra leader named uh, Chuck Dickerson III. And he has uh, a uh, has students that are of all diversities uh, in his orchestra. And this is, a, um, a, 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 like I said, an inspiring piece about him, a short film. Uh, it was it premiered at the um, Mountain Film uh, Film Festival in uh telluride i think that is uh but uh mm-hmm. um and it got the audience award for best short film so uh so yeah he's just uh he's just collecting stuff and man pretty soon his mantle's gonna bust because uh you know it's already pretty heavy from having that grammy on it <laughs> <laughs> so uh but uh no it's good to see that he's still doing uh worthwhile uh movies about uh worthwhile people and and getting awarded for that and it's thrilling audiences so that's great that's awesome dude that is awesome what very well deserved too and you know what you could say you knew him when which is really cool i remember I, yeah i've known him his whole life <laughs> <See? laughs> exactly. I, have, I have i have held him as a baby all right um quick shout out real quick um is going to if you guys are in the huntsville alabama area Earth Station Who, another podcast that we are part of, is going to be, just in a couple days as of when this is released, will be um, the last Concaster Burris. And we are going to be doing a couple panels. We're going to have a table set up. And we're actually going to be even doing um, interviews with some celebrities. Maybe, Maybe even we're going to try to push for an interview of a certain Mr. John Barrowman. 
So you never know. So it's going to be a ton of fun. Um, sadly, Mr. Mike Gordon is not going to be able to attend this time. Um, but, but we are going to be going. So it'll be myself and Mary. And we'll also have Kirby with us from the 20 Megabyte Time Lord mm-hmm. podcast. And we, of course, we will also have Matthew on the show. So it'll be it'll be great to talk to a lot of friends. We'll probably see Kelly Yates when we're there. And it's just going to be fun to be able to go back to Huntsville. It's been a couple of years. So we're it's going to be a nice time. It's so the check first it out. One since the pandemic, right? Correct. Yeah. That is correct. And they actually canceled the one before the pandemic um, for personal reasons. So it's been, I think, since 2018 that we haven't been. Wow. Uh, it might even be 17, so I'm not 100% sure. But it it's going to be a ton of fun. So definitely check us out. You can find it at concasterburris.com. And definitely say howdy. We'll have some ESW swag for you guys also. So it'll be very cool. Mm. Have it right here. We have Earth Station Who Met little uh, stickers. So very cool. So you'll be able to stick them right on your forehead. It's going to be awesome. (laughs) (laughs) So it's going to be a great, great time. So as always, it's great to talk to everybody. And you know what? Thanks for listening to the Earth Station One podcast. Always remember, we couldn't do this without you. If you want to support the podcast, check out our T Public store and get some really cool ESO Network swag. Also, remember, if you want to support our network, we actually have a really amazing Patreon where you get, you know, these shows a couple of days before they go out to the general public. And for as little as a dollar a month, you can help support us here at the Earth Station One podcast. And uh, we want to thank a couple of our patrons right now for being with us. We're going to thank Brian S., Tony Bowers, Elizabeth Raber, Barbara Ogle, Michael Thompson, Steve Fowler, and Susan Neese. Thank you guys so, so much for being a patron. And you know what? Like we say, we couldn't do this without you guys. All you have to do is go to patreon.com slash ESO Network. We also do want to hear from you guys. So please write us anytime at feedback at earthstation1.com. Remember, you could also find Earth Station One wherever fine podcasts are found. And now Earth Station One, of course, is on video format on YouTube. Please subscribe and tell all your friends about us. And like and subscribe and like and subscribe and ring the bell. That's the way you know when we come out with new stuff. On behalf of myself, Mike Faber, of course, Mr. Mike Gordon, Ms. Ashley Pauls, and of course, Mr. Matt Sweatman. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you here next time on the Earth Station One podcast. Stay safe. Hug your loved ones. Go see Spider-Man again. And peace. We are done. Ta-da! I'm going to point to... I'm going to point like... I'm doing the Spider-Man thing. I'm pointing to you guys. You're pointing <laughs> I to... Don't the, know. Yeah. I don't know. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> You've been listening to the Earth Station One podcast, a show by fans for fans. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe to our show up on iTunes or wherever fine podcasts are found. While you're up there, please rate us and remember to leave feedback. It would greatly be appreciated. And remember to tell your friends all about us while you're at it. Earth Station One is available on most social media sites where you can join some really great topics or chats. Help support our show by shopping through our Amazon.com link or purchasing very cool ESO Network clothing and merchandise at our T Public store. Links to both are found on the top of our ESO Network webpage. Become a patron of the ESO Network by backing us up on Patreon for as little as 25 cents a week. Go to patreon.com slash ESO Network to sign up. 
We want to hear from you. Please write us at earthstation1 at esonetwork.com or call us at 404-963-9057. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time here on the Earth Station One podcast. Peace, and we're done. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.